Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Sports. What's going on, guys? I'm Sherm, and uh, today's episode is going to be uh, jam-packed with a bunch of current NFL topics, including Brady to the Pats, obviously the huge Gronk trade, and uh, much more. Uh, we got our friend uh, David on it, so uh, I'll let Goldie take it away. Yeah, my name's Goldie, and uh, welcome to tonight's show. We got my longtime friend, football fanatic and current linebacker at McMaster University, David, on the show. David, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's actually uh, it's my podcast debut, so I'll, I'll try not to shit the bed. Looking forward to having you, man. We've been talking a lot about some stuff going on in the NFL recently, and today was a great day for, uh, you know, for Gronk stuff and, you know, a lot of news as we lead up to the draft here. So let's dive right into that. So, sure, and take it away. Yeah, let's get right into that. Honestly, I was surprised. I was having a nap as the news came out, and I woke up, and I could have sworn it was a meme page, and I was checking so many different accounts. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't believe it. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I was looking, uh, I was checking if it was Barry posting fake, uh, fake Gronk news. Yeah, I couldn't believe it, man. I want to know what's what's he gonna do with the WWE? Like they gave him a huge bag for that. No, I uh, know. I have to tell him to wait. <laughs> Put that on hold. Yeah, it'll still be there. How do you think this impacts the Bucks title hopes? Uh I don't really know. I mean, I think they're bringing in Gronk as basically like a. Ideally, like a four-game player, he's going to come in, hope probably for the playoff push is when he's actually going to get some tread for the first time. I don't think they're going to run him out in the preseason games and fucking beat down his knees. But uh, but I think when it, when it matters, he'll be in there. And crunch time of games, he'll be in there and he'll be a target. For about 15 minutes there when the news came out, I was just thinking to myself, like, oh, my God, football's back. Like, the excitement both from the lack of sports. Like, I'm just so excited for the draft to come this uh, this Thursday. Yeah, so let's move into another topic here. We've been talking a little bit about potential fits in the NFL draft here. One thing that me and you were talking about a couple days ago, Dave, was the idea of Jake Fromm being a good fit for the Pats. And one of the reasons I brought that up to you was because he had the highest Wonderlick score of any of the quarterbacks in this year's class. Want to speak a little bit on that fit and maybe the correlation between Wonderlick scores and the performance of certain positions? Yeah, so Jake Fromm did real well. I think he got what was it, a 36 on the Wonderlick? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think he was the heard, highest. Everything I've heard, he's uh, he's just, like, killing it in interviews. And I feel like Belichick's a huge character. I bet the interviews are huge for the Pats. So I'd say he fits on a stylistic level. I mean, he's very similar to old Tom Brady that we've seen the last few years. He's not, like, a, not a gunslinger by any means, more of a game manager. But what kind of worries me is his play against good teams you see him uh see him against bama you see him against lsu 2018 and 2019 he kind of his level of play lowers and there's a there was a few games stretch i think he it was like five games straight he was under 50 percent completion percentage and for someone with his skill set that's kind of worrying so i mean in terms of his play i'm not so sold on him to the pats but in terms of his character, I'm thinking he's a fit there. Yeah, one, for sure. One thing what I was round do you think they would take him in, possibly? Uh, I was thinking maybe the third. Like, I definitely wouldn't draft him anywhere above the third. But I still yeah. think there's a... I'd still have Easton above him. I'd probably have Hurts above him. I'd probably have the rankings I could, uh, I could reference here. But I have... Uh, for sure, I think 
he took Eason's job his first year in uh, at Georgia, and I always felt like Eason sort of got a raw deal there. And I feel like he's a better quarterback than uh, like a pro style quarterback. I think he's going to be better than Jake Fromm. Yeah. One of the things I always found interesting was when you compared the Wonderlick scores from the different positions. I think the highest average score was amongst it was a tie between the quarterbacks and the offensive linemen. And the yes. was, I believe, the running backs. Do you think it's more important for certain positions? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, quarterback, I would probably say is the the only one that I would I'd put any real weight on it. But you see why uh you see, I think centers would have uh would need to be smart too, like setting protections, just identifying fronts, keying off guys. You'd think, like despite their, uh, despite their size and their, they all look like meatheads, but I think there's uh, there's something going on in those heads, and I think for that reason it's somewhat necessary. But I still think there's a difference between, between the type of intelligence that Wonderlic measures and actual football intelligence. Yeah, for sure, and there's Especially- a. There's a we question were, uh, if they even try or not on them. I don't know if you saw Richard Sherman's tweets. Yeah. He was like, nobody cares about those tests. Yeah, I mean, they they really shouldn't be used as any sort of metric for drafting someone. I feel like it's just uh, just kind of puts your mind at ease if you have a prospect you really like, and then he does well in the Wonderlick. It's like, it's not necessary, but you you think, oh, that's, uh, that's definitely a positive. But I don't, I don't think it would impact whether you draft them or not. I can't yeah. imagine you'd be totally sold on a prospect and then see a, a bad Wonderlick score from a corner and say, okay, this is not our guy anymore. Yeah, or even like Tua, for example. Oh, yeah. I feel, Also, I feel like uh, like Tua is more... Maybe it's just like the Hawaiian culture. I feel like he's socially intelligent, if not yeah. traditionally uh, like doing math and his aptitude at English. Like, I don't... That's obviously not going to come into play in the, mm-hmm. in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, and if you look at the wonder, like the content of a wonder, like test, it's pretty, you know, random stuff that some people just might not have much experience in. Yeah, the one I was doing the other day, it was just like, uh, it's all like, it's nothing NFL based, and I think that's what uh, a few years ago I, I always thought of it as kind of something that was like maybe to be them identifying fronts or something. I don't know, like yeah. something uh, something X's knows, but then. I realize it's just like a generic test, a standardized test that they're, yeah. they give to people. Like it's not anything football specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, moving on from that, another big topic I know in the NFL uh, happened a little while ago, but the Hopkins trade to the Cardinals and the report about the relationship with Bill O'Brien and kind of things that were going on behind the doors that not everybody saw at first. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think trading Hopkins isn't like the dumbest thing in the world if you really don't want to pay him twenty million, but right. trading him and then getting like pretty trash compensation, especially yeah. compared to the compensation that the Vikings got for Diggs, like what three days after. Yeah, like it's. Uh, I think it's fine to not pay Hopkins twenty million. I think if you don't have the if your roster's not set up for that, then. It's not, and that's not a huge deal. But if you don't pay him, and then you get what twenty million dollars of DJ uh, or David Johnson and Brandon Cooks, like 
Yeah, no, I'm with you there. I uh, I remember when the when the uh, trade initially went down, you were one of the first people that were suggesting that something was more uh, underlying the circumstance, I guess, in the sense that there had to be some other details that were coming out. Now, you know, these reports are coming out about how, you know, Hopkins was essentially demanding a trade because he didn't really expect Bill to give him a raise. Do you think maybe Bill and the Texans, whoever else is helping him, felt like they were being kind of like, strapped down in the sense that their uh, negotiating power was minimized? Maybe. I think, uh, I think first of all, like, Bill O'Brien being the head coach and the GM is, I feel like that Too kind much of, power. that, yeah, the power dynamics got to be weird there. Like, you're not, you're not Belichick, bro. Just, uh, just cool it. Yeah, chill out. It's interesting because it seems like a lot of the assistants that end up leaving the Patriots system aren't the best head coaches, even though they're really good positional coaches in New England. So that's something to watch, especially as some of them, you know, start to take over as head coaches like Matt Patricia right now. Joe Judge. Ryan Flores as well. Yep, exactly. So let's talk about Colin's top 10 NFL players list. That came out today and we got a good laugh out of that. Wanted to get your opinion fresh now as it's coming out. What do you think of that list? Uh, I mean obviously terrible list but i think that's uh that might that might be the point i think he's just trying to obviously generate clicks attention whatever i still haven't seen his rationale for it that's what i'd like to see Mm -hmm. like even if even though i completely disagree with a lot of it i'd like to see like how he uh how he ruled it up and like how consistent he was with his logic Mm -hmm. because i mean across all sports i see his lists and uh i don't know there are some Something stand out on all of them. Yeah. To clarify, we're talking about Colin Coward. He definitely has some hot yeah. takes. I didn't see the list per se, but I know he put Russell number one. He just loves Russell. I would assume his list is kind of like his personal, what they bring to their team, like value-wise. But like mm-hmm. his mindset is so twisted from like anyone else's. For those of you who didn't see it, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe it was Russell Wilson, Christian McCaffrey, Aaron Donald, Patrick Mahomes, um, George Kittle, yeah. And the, I don't remember the order. That was an order for the first yeah, five. That was the first last five. That's pretty high for George Kittle, though. The yeah. last five, yeah. The last five included Mike Evans, Tom Brady, Mike Evans. Yeah, Brady was in the top. Bro, 10. Mike Evans had a game last year where he didn't catch a pass. <laughs> he was the only wide receiver on there. All right, all right, moving on. So, um. Let's get into some predictions here. So I wanted to hear some of your, I know a lot's going to change after the draft, but yeah. as of right now, what are uh, what are some playoff teams that you think are doomed to fall as we enter the season? Maybe just name me one. Yeah, I was, uh, I kind of stepped on it a little bit earlier, but it was, uh, it's the Texans. I got, uh, I've had some, uh, I mean, there's the obvious uh, Bill O'Brien blunder with the trades. That's kind of mm-hmm. just uh just not really making winning moves and kind of alienating a lot of the locker room. I think uh, Deshaun Watson included. But I looked into their uh, their metrics were pretty terrible despite being uh, despite being a playoff team last year. Like they were uh, they were a minus seven point differential at ten and six, and the Chargers were a minus eight at uh, what were they five and eleven. So I mean they. Uh, so, yeah, compared to the Chargers in terms of point differential, their uh, their SRS was 0.5, which is uh, like zero is average, an average team. So they're they were a slightly above average team, 
and they like they really didn't finish the season all that well last year. Their weighted uh, weighted DVOA on uh, on offense was 18th, and on defense was 26th. So it's uh, that's not great. I mean, they're uh, so they were kind of middle of the pack to bad on all these advanced metrics, and then they make these offseason moves. They uh, obviously there's getting the injured David Johnson and having him uh, paying him whatever they're paying him. There's bringing in, uh, bringing in Brandon cooks and then later bringing in uh, Randall Cobb three year, like 27 million when it's probably one of the deepest receiver drafts we've ever had. I don't know why they couldn't use that money for defense, which they desperately need, but instead they, uh, they commit it to Randall Cobb of all people. Do you think they, it's a uh, whole situation? They have no first round pick as well, and then uh, I think I think they have a few big expirings next year, and they're going to have to pay Deshaun Watson whatever he wants, which is probably going to be forty million, forty plus, and then uh, so I think it's just kind of downhill from here. That yeah. would be my prediction. You don't think it's a replenishable situation at all for Bill? Anything you can do at this point? Uh I mean, at this point, I think the damage is done. It's like you got your new, basically your new roster. You got whatever draft picks you still have. I think, I think they have what the fortieth. That's like their first pick. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they can. Uh, I can't speak to the culture there, but uh, I feel like his his moves were kind of in his own interest and driven by his own ego rather than moves to help field a competitive football team. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. I feel like the locker room doesn't back him at this point. Like, mm-hmm. after seeing all those names kind of shipped out. Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like I remember comments coming out from Deshaun Watson about uh, about the situation Hopkins getting dealt. Yeah. I can't remember exactly if anything was quoted, but it's like, it's like when they obviously leak something to the media and the media reports that there's uh, there's unrest in the locker room or something like that. I feel like it was just one of those. Right. Yeah. So on the flip side of things, what's a who's a sleeper team that you think's bound to rise as we enter the season? Yeah, my team I was going with. I was I'm keeping it in the AFC South right now. I got the Colts. I think uh, I'm all in on the the Philly Rivers renaissance that's coming. I, I feel it. it. I feel it. I'm gonna will it into existence. They got uh, they got Phil Rivers reuniting with Frank Reich, who was his uh, former OC uh, in. San Diego they got uh I mean they're they're making like win now moves they made uh they made the play for DeForest Buckner mm-hmm. which I mean they signed him long term I'm not sure how much I love that move but I think it's uh I think it's still a win now move Definitely. and I think that that will uh will rub off in the locker room I think I think I mean normally any team that's committing $40 million to Jacoby Brissett and 38-year-old Philip Rivers isn't going to do that well, but they just have a ridiculous amount of cap space. So they, uh, I was looking at their, their early schedule last year and they were, uh, they were a couple missed Vinatieri field goals away from being, I think, seven and two. They had wins over, uh, wins over Kansas city. They had win over Tennessee, over Houston, all in the first uh, first six weeks, I think. So I mean, they're 
they're a good team. They got a great O line. Quentin Nelson is maybe the best O lineman in the league, and they re-signed uh, they re-signed Costanza, who's yeah. a really great tackle. Mm-hmm. So I think they they have a great team. They have like even the run game's decent. They have uh, Marlon Mack, mm-hmm. uh, Naheem Hines running behind that O line. So I think they uh, they even even the uh, Xavier Rhodes contract. I mean, it's they didn't give him much, so I mean, it's mm-hmm. low yeah. risk, potentially high reward if he shows yeah. even fifty percent of what he used to be. It's been a while since Phillips had a good O line, and the Colts O line is definitely one of the better O lines in the league. And if he can get the run game going there, then that'd be something because whenever the Chargers could get their run game going and he could open up the offense playing off of that, that's when they were at their best. So yeah, he uh, over. Like Philip Rivers, I think he's not washed physically, and I think that that kind of bodes well for him. His he played like trash last year, but I think uh, they were all sort of late game collapses, and they were they were mental errors. So I think that's that's fixable. Whereas if his body's run into the ground, there's no coming back from that. But I think uh, I think he could have a resurgence the same way uh, same way Brett Favre did with the Vikings. Mm-hmm. And have a really make a run to the playoffs. I mean, that's a good point. He can still chuck it up. Like he's like Brett Favre. Like he's not afraid to yeah. throw it. Like he'll throw six interceptions. It doesn't really matter. He's that type of guy. Yeah. So for I mean, sure. we'll see. And he'll take he'll take the blame for losses too. I think people people appreciate that. Yeah. High character guy. For sure. Uh, another one. What do you think about the worst team in the league? Uh year i i might actually stay in the afc south once again with the jaguars because mm-hmm. i'd say uh i would say the redskins or maybe the panthers but i mean both with new coaches i i feel like i'd be too quick to judge but with uh with doug marone i think i already know what they have there they're kind of making they're already salary dumping all over the place so i think they're uh they're making a play for Trevor Lawrence in 2021. Definitely. So I think it's, it's a write-off for them this year. I agree. That's your uh, that's your surefire pick right there for sure. That's a lock in my opinion. I think they're already Trevor Lawrence favorites in my mind. Yeah, I even think uh, wow. I think we might see uh, Yannick Ngakwe get traded like during the draft. I could yeah. see that potentially. I was thinking maybe Seattle, they trade to 27, but apparently they've been looking to get first for him and they're not getting too many uh, too many bites on that. Maybe they could get an early second or something like that when they see someone they like in the draft available. Mm-hmm. I'm sure not going to stick around for long based on the tweets he was sending out. Yeah, yeah it was aggressive. It was aggressive. Was so let's hilarious. move into your mock draft. All right. So um, this is, is going to be the last mock draft that we do on the show. Should be our fourth and final one. And if anyone's made it this far and is interested in the mocks, Dave's been working on his for a while, and I expect good things. So let's get into the first pick here. The Cincinnati Bengals, who are they taking? Yeah, I'm. Uh, no surprises there. I'm going with Joe Burrow. I think, uh, I mean, Bengals are obviously going quarterback just based on their situation, based on where they uh, where they threw money around. And the Tua injuries just make it not much of a con- uh, contest. I think... Uh, I think Burrow's looking. He's getting Romo comparisons. And I think uh, I think deservedly so, based on 
his ridiculous production last season. So I think uh, I think he's earned the number one spot, and they'll give him the reins. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. So what are you thinking for number two to the Redskins? Uh, I'm going Chase Young. Again, not not a huge surprise, but he's uh, potentially the best player in the draft. He's like the prototype uh, 4-3 end. He's like unbelievably physical in the run, and he can actually he can rush the, rush the passer surprisingly well. So I think uh, I think it's not even not even a contest unless they get some sort of uh, some sort of Godfather offer for the number two pick. They're gonna they're gonna take Chase Young. Mm-hmm. His head coach Urban Meyer said that it was that he was the best or one of the best college football players he's ever seen. So I praise yeah, him. I think what? he's a better prospect than both uh, both Bosa brothers coming out, and you see what they've done in the league already. Absolutely, I have you know I expect great things from Chase. So here's where the draft gets interesting. Number three to the Lions. You have them picking here. Uh, I have them trading, and this is probably like one of my more out there picks. But I got the I got the Panthers trading up and taking Isaiah Simmons, which is my first uh, my first non traditional pick but i got them uh you know keekley's out they're uh they're establishing a culture there they got i feel like they might be well they are in need of linebackers but i feel like they might be a little bit worried that the giants are gonna are gonna take a linebacker even though i think the the giants are going tackle but they still have a need there so i feel like they they get up ahead of the giants and just make sure that they snag isaiah simmons i just think uh linebacker 6'4", 240, and safety skills. I think it's just... I think maybe Okuda will be a better player, but I think you can't... Uh, I think Isaiah Simmons is just a unicorn. You you have to take a chance on him. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite players in the draft. I'd say my favorite player at this point. So, great pick. I like that. That's intriguing. I haven't heard much Panthers trade-up noise, so I'm definitely going to keep my out for that Thursday. Let's move into four here. Do you have the Giants picking here? Yeah, I do. I have them taking... I think they they gotta go tackle here. So what I've been hearing a lot of is uh, Tristan Wirfs. I think he's definitely not the most polished. You know, his uh, his feet aren't great at times. Like he'll uh, he'll lose technique. But I think he had a ridiculous combine, and I think uh, I think teams would just love to get their hands on him and uh, mold him however they want. I know the top four tackles are kind of like. Pick yeah, them, like, they're all in the same tackles. What would you say makes him better than Jedrick Wills, for example? I've heard in some other mocks of the Giants. Yeah, I think uh, Jedrick Wills is a lot more polished. I think uh, Andrew Thomas is a lot more polished too. Andrew Thomas might be my my favorite tackle in the draft, but I think uh, I think teams are just loving the athleticism. Makes sense. Mm-hmm, yeah, Wirfs definitely has some of the most upside of the tackles, either him or Beckton. So yeah, his, uh, his combine was was one of the best uh, best O line combines I think in a long time. Yeah, and uh, I think Andrew Thomas didn't test great. I think he ran like a maybe a five two. He didn't test great, but I think he's. Uh, I think Andrew Thomas is a high floor guy. Uh, Tristan Wirfs is a high ceiling guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. So. All right, number five, Dolphins. Tua and Herbert still on the board. Do they go quarterback here? Yeah, they're going Tua here. I think. Uh, I mean, obviously, this could go. Uh, this could go one of two ways. It could be, uh, you know, ten years from now, we could be saying, 
oh, of course Tua was a bust. We knew he had all these injuries in uh, in college. He had the ankles. He had the the hip getting crushed. He had a wrist issue as well. And then uh, we say, oh, of course he didn't pan out because of this. And then the alternative is we say, oh, of course he was. He turned out to be a great quarterback because uh, because you saw his ridiculous production in college. Like you, you'd have to be an idiot to not have taken him in this draft. But I yeah. think uh, I think whichever way it goes, that side will act like there was no other uh, no other possibility. Of course, agreed. I have two out of the Dolphins as well. I think he's definitely the second best quarterback in this draft class in terms of how I grade them as prospects. So I like the Dolphins taking him. Yeah, Jared, you see, uh, you see him like. What's probably most intriguing about him is the way he's already able to uh, to like look off safeties, things like that. Like typically veteran uh, veteran NFL players, he's got those uh, those skill sets down. The way he goes through his progressions, yeah. and uh, even like the if he's not injured, like the mobility is pretty huge for him, and his balance, like his uh, his frame. He's not the tallest, but I mean like his uh, his hips. He's got like unreal uh unreal balance is able to keep his feet through tackles and mm-hmm. drive his legs and definitely yeah. investing in Tua at number five increases the mm-hmm. chances of the dolphins investing in an offensive lineman later in the draft to maybe protect him take them yeah out. i was considering uh i was considering having the dolphins uh trade up to get wills but uh, ultimately didn't uh didn't pull the trigger on that in my mock well, we'll i wasn't ballsy enough mm-hmm. we'll see how it plays out so we got the chargers in number six what are they going to do with two off the board uh, going Herbert. Not uh, the Chargers like the Chargers were a good team, and I think uh, the record really didn't reflect that. Like I was, I was saying earlier, their point differential uh, minus eight compared to the the Texans who were who were ostensibly a great playoff team. They won games, they won the division, and they their point differential was one away. So I mean, they're. Uh, I think they lost. What was it like nine one-score games? Something ridiculous. I feel it like the really, Chargers uh, are historically one of the unluckiest teams in history. Yeah, I was looking at their their expected win-loss was at least eight and eight. I think, uh, based on the way they played. So I think if you uh, if you take out a few uh, a few uh, brain farts from Philip Rivers, I think they're looking at at least seven and nine, eight and eight, potentially better depending on how it plays out. Herbert to the Chargers has been a hot pick on the show so far. I think almost all of us have had Herbert to the Chargers. Do you see him as a freshman player in his first year? Or more, do you think he can compete with Tyrod for first-year starts? I think it's going to be, it's going to be like similar to to Daniel Jones last year. You know, uh, Eli started, what was it, the first two games? And then eventually the fans get fed up, they want something new, and then they throw, uh, they throw him in. And I feel like he'll have a, a similar impact to uh, to Daniel Jones in his first year. Like he's not gonna he's not gonna light the league up, and he's not gonna. I don't think he's gonna lead them to the playoffs or anything. But I think he's gonna show a lot of potential, and they'll say, "Okay, this is obviously our guy, and we're gonna we're gonna build around him in the future." Any comparison considering these Herbert to Giants rumors? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's move into number seven here. So uh, Carolina Panthers. Actually, sorry, you had the Detroit Lions who traded. Yeah to this pick at number seven so who are the lions going to take in the trade back they're taking okuda i think okuda is just one of the one of the safest picks in the draft he's just uh his tape is unbelievable he's 
there's not really one thing that he does poorly. Like he drives on balls. He's able to stay on the hip. His techniques impe- like impeccable. He, uh, one thing, maybe his tackling's not great. He's kind of a, an arm tackler, but aside from that, he's, I think I, I'd have him as probably the number two prospect overall in the draft. And I think getting him at seven would be huge for the Lions because whatever compensation they'd get on the back end as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people have Lions taking uh, Jeff Okuda at number three. So getting to move back to number seven, getting additional compensation and getting your guy would definitely be a great situation for the Lions. Yeah, if that happens, that's a big win-win Lions. So let's move to number eight, the Arizona Cardinals. Are they picking at number eight? Yeah, they are. I was... I almost had a trade here. I almost had Atlanta moving up and taking uh, taking Derek Brown, but ultimately, I think the the Cardinals they they got to invest in the O line. They made a pretty big commitment to Kyler Murray, so I think uh, I think Cliff Kingsbury knows they got to go they got to go O line here. They signed a couple O linemen in the during free agency. I think uh, I think Jedrick Wills will move. Uh, move Marcus Gilbert to the bench. But uh, I think Jedrick Wills is like a, a day one, you know, plug and play guy. He's a starter immediately. And yeah. I think he's, he's probably going to be a great player. He doesn't have quite the ceiling that Wirfs has, which I, is why, uh, why I think I'm hearing a lot of Wirfs to the Giants talk just because uh, of the athleticism. But, uh, but Wills is every bit as good and had some great, uh, great tape including this year the LSU game he like completely mitigated Caleb on chase on who's mm-hmm. coming up later in the first round for me and he basically took him out of the game mitigated all his speed rushes stayed in front of him moved his legs he uh like he really had nothing against him mm-hmm. and that's compared yeah. to a guy like Andrew Thomas who actually was notably had a notably bad game against chase on whenever they played him not too sure when it was but i remember reading that so interesting yeah, they played in uh it was the sec championship last year and then they played in uh in baton rouge in 2018 gotcha i was just gonna say as a giants fan my ideal scenario for the draft as a fan is trade back and get probably jedrick wills or worse i guess but probably wills yeah i mean if you trade back you still got i think uh Makai Becton, Andrew Thomas, Wills, and Wirfs are all kind of in the same tier. And then yeah. I think there's a drop-off. So I think as long as you get one of those four guys, it's not a huge deal. So it could be a chance to uh, to trade down, recoup some value, and move forward with more uh, more draft capital for your team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. Old Dave Gettleman is sweet warm. Wills is thought of by many to be the most pro-ready at this point, so that would be a wise move considering how much Kyler Murray was sacked last season. Let's talk about the Jaguars in number nine. What are you thinking about that pick? Uh, I got him going Derek Brown. I think uh, I think he's also one of the best pure prospects in the draft, and I think getting him at nine is is huge for whoever would get him. I mean, they could trade down as well. I think a lot of there'd be a lot of suitors for Derek Brown especially if they only have to move up to nine. But I think uh, he, uh, the reason he's he's not thought of in that top tier, I think is because he had a, a pretty bad combine. He didn't, uh, he was ran slow, I think tested kind of poorly, didn't look that explosive, but you see him on the field and it's like a total different, uh, different kind of strength. He's flying around, he's eating double teams, he's 
driving the driving the guard back into this in the quarterback's lap like it's uh it's night and day from from when you see these guys at the combine they're not performing well and then you see them like true uh true savvy football players on the field mm-hmm. and we all know about the demise of the Jaguars defense so some reinvestments there would definitely be good yeah it's only uh I think right now it's only Miles Jack Yannick Ngakwe and maybe one other guy from the from that 2017 team that was one stop away from the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Soon to be uh even smaller group in a couple of days, I assume. So we'll so see crazy how fast the team changes. Yeah, from one of the one of the most talented defenses I think I've ever seen to uh like I was actually at the I was at the regular season game in Pittsburgh when they uh Jaguars won like twenty seven nine. It was the game where uh where Leonard Fournette ripped off that ninety yard touchdown at the uh to ice it. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. saw it firsthand we got uh we got bent that's crazy how things can change mm-hmm. this next pick the browns at number 10 has been a trade topic we don't really know until draft day but what do you think about number 10 are they going to stay put there yeah i had them go in uh go in andrew thomas there okay for me he's uh he's like the number one tackle if i was drafting he'd be the first one off the board he's he allowed uh five sacks in his entire playing career, which is over 40 starts. And he's, uh, he's a pretty savvy run blocker too. You see him just, he's one of those kind of seems like an asshole on the field where he's just dropping his head into guys, laying guys out over the pile. Like he's a, he's a pretty gritty run blocker in addition to being obviously a great pass blocker. Ian Rappaport said that Andrew Thomas was the most publicly overlooked player. That's going to wind up going the highest in this year's draft. So that's Mm -hmm. what you're saying for sure. Yeah, I was shocked. You, like you see all the all the talk seems to be Worfs and uh and Wills, who's the better of the two, but I honestly think uh think Andrew Thomas is the top tackle in the draft and we'll see. We'll see how he actually uh how it stacks up when he's out there. Yeah, we all had I think the Browns taking an offensive tackle at this pick in all of our mock drafts. So if they don't do that, we'll see. That'll be a big surprise. Yeah, I think they're they're trying to placate to uh, to Odell right now. They want him to stay. I think they just want the they want the drama to end. They're trying to rebuild that offense. Yeah, because they just signed Conklin too, right? Yeah. So they're uh, I they gave up a whole lot of sacks last year, but I want I want to say like half of them are on Mayfield. He gets the snap and just decides he's gonna roll right. He gets antsy. So. Uh, so the, I mean, the O line graded poorly, but I think, uh, I think part of that can be fixed with Mayfield staying disciplined and actually hanging in there in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now that we've reached the top ten, I'm one of four mock drafts on the show. Dave joins Ben in last uh, last episode's guest tie. No wide receivers in the top ten, so we move into pick eleven. Here, are we going to get our first wide receiver? Yeah, you're in luck. We got uh, got CD Lamb. I think. Uh, I felt like they, uh, the Jets should probably go offensive tackle there, but they are they are the Jets, and for that reason, I think they're going to go with like the highest ceiling receiver, and I think that's C. Lamb. I think you got legitimate uh, DeAndre Hopkins potential there. Yeah, my favorite wide receiver. Although I like both Judy and Lamb as a number one wideout, and would be happy with either. CD's definitely a good pick there at eleven. Mm-hmm. Let's talk number 12 here. So we got the Raiders. The Raiders. Yeah, and then we got 
We got Judy next. Yeah, figured so. <laughs> so Judy's definitely one of the best wideouts, if not the best in this year's class. The Raiders are probably going to be thrilled to get him at 12, aren't they? Oh, yeah. I think uh, the most prevalent comp I've seen is like uh, is Chad Ochocinco, and I think he could immediately have that kind of impact. I think he's that style of player. He's uh, He can run any route. He uh, He looked... His cuts are honestly unbelievable. I didn't think like the human knee could explode that hard out of breaks. He, and he looked, uh, for the past two years, he's just looked like an NFL player playing in college. So I think that's going to continue as he actually gets to the NFL. And I think he's going to light it up. Agreed, honestly. I'd be happy to have either. So I hope that, you know, we make a move before those two picks because I know those both of those teams need wideouts. Let's talk the Niners here. So with those two wideouts off the board, they have a couple options that they need to be filled. So what do you think they're going to do at 13 with two first-round picks? Yeah, at 13, I was thinking... Uh, I saw a lot of people had rugs at 13, but I'm I'm not sold on him as a, a top 15 guy. I On my mock draft, C.J. Henderson's still available, so I had them go and uh, go and C.J. Henderson and pair in Rich, the aging Richard Sherman with the young, uh, the young up and comer. I believe I also had the 49ers land in C.J. Henderson in my mock. Yeah, I, I think it's salt. I've been hearing a lot of a uh, lot of C.J. Henderson top ten talk, so I don't really know how true that is, but I think they'd be they'd be happy to get him at thirteen. I think behind Okuda, he's. Uh, He's pretty clearly the number two. I had Henderson in my mock as as the number eight pick as a trade-up candidate with the Falcons moving from 16 to eight. Figured, you know, the draft or the, yeah, the real draft doesn't really play out as the mock drafts usually go. A lot of these mock drafts I've been seeing seem to follow the same trend. I think that's one of the off-the-board trades that might wind up happening depending on how early Okuda goes. I feel like if Okuda winds up getting out of the draft in the top five picks, even at three, the pressure to get a top corner will be on. And the Jaguars are a team that needs one, so I think they might want to jump the Jags for Henderson. But if the Jags end up passing on him for uh, for a guy like Derek Brown, like you suggested, then I could definitely see a team like the Niners taking him. So interesting to see how that's going to play out. Yeah. So let's talk Tampa Bay Bucks. Just got Brady, just got Gronk today. What are they going to do at number 14? I think this is one of the picks I'm more sure of. They're going offensive tackle. I think whoever the best offensive tackle available is for the, the purpose of my mock draft, it's Makai Becton. He's like, he's what, seven, uh, six, seven, mm. 360, something ridiculous. He's got got a whole lot of potential. And I think he's still in that, uh, in that top, the upper echelon of those tackles in this draft. I think the top four are all pretty close. To each other and i think uh i think after that it kind of drops off so the pats the pats will get one of those four guys and i think uh for me it's uh it's mckay becton mm-hmm. becton same same source as my earlier reference ian rapaport said that becton's the prospect that the scouts get most excited about out of any prospect in the draft they love his frame they love the potential they love him finishing in the run game great prospect and that'd be a steal at 14 in my opinion so let's talk Broncos here. My team, number 15, what do you have them doing? Uh, I have them taking Kinlaw here. I like him. I think still available. He's probably he's probably the best guy still available for my mock draft at that point. And I think he's uh, 
him and Derek Brown are are actually in the same tier for me. They're just both uh, they both absolutely maul offensive linemen. They their hands explode. They throw guys off them. They beat double teams, and they they're athletic on the field. Even if uh, even if Derek Brown runs a five uh, five two forty, I think that it's a totally different speed on the field. You see. Kinla on tape looks like at least a top 10 pick. The concern on him is the injury history. He had a big injury two seasons ago that took him out for the season, and then he missed this year's bowl game with another injury. Do you think that's a concern moving forward? I mean, I'm sure it's on team's radars, but I think uh, when you have a talent like that at 15, that's kind of the, the risk you undertake. Definitely. I'd be happy with that. He's definitely a high, high prospect or high-caliber prospect. With- Plus, you have... Uh, Jarrell Casey there right now. I mean them uh, that combination with uh, with Chubb and Von Miller, like the fronts the fronts looking pretty scary there. Definitely, and some of the other guys filling in. We had Derek Wolf for a long time. He just left. Shelby Harris led the league in pass breakups for D tackles last season. He's yeah. re-signed, but only on a one-year agreement. So Kim Ma would definitely be a long-term piece there that would help. Yeah. The Falcons at sixteen here. What are the Falcons going to do? Yeah, I got them going corner. For me, I saw a lot of uh, a lot of mocks had uh, had AJ Terrell there. I was thinking more more Christian Fulton. For me, I like I saw I saw a whole lot of LSU this year, especially with their run. And I usually just like watching watching SEC football, so I saw them a whole lot. And he uh, he started off the season really well, and then kind of was forgotten about as uh, as Derek Stingley emerged on the opposite side of the field. So he, uh, Stingley ended up getting a lot of the attention, but I think, uh, I think Fulton's still a great, uh, a great corner. He was a five-star at a high school. And I think he's, uh, he is my number four corner, I believe. But uh, for the purpose of this, he's the third, uh, the third corner taken. Mm-hmm. They were definitely one of the best cornerback tandems in the college football, if not the best. Mm-hmm. I mentioned in the last episode, he had insane statistics against Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, and T. Higgins. I think only allowed three catches for 39 yards, no touchdowns on 11 targets with a few pass breakups as well. So pretty locked down, especially considering the teams that you're going up against. Yeah, it's the absolute uh, top-tier college talent. I mean, LSU played them all this year. They played the full SEC schedule. They played, uh, they played Oklahoma. They played Clemson. Like, there's nobody... There's nobody they're not tested against. I'm never going to hold that against an LSU player and say, uh, say I've never seen him against the, the great teams. Mm-hmm. And a lot of LSU players expected to go in the first round here. So let's keep moving on. We got the Cowboys at 17. Who are they going to take? Yeah, I'm keep sticking with the trend of LSU players. I'm going Caleb on chase on. Mm-hmm. I think uh, this, is, this is the pick I've seen a whole lot. I maybe don't understand it that much, but it's one of, it's like a, nearly unanimous pick i've seen and i don't i don't really know why they have a i mean i guess they're taking uh they're taking a flyer on alden smith and and uh randy gregory who knows what they're gonna be but i think they'd be probably better suited to go uh to go safety or corner and they're uh but i've still seen it overwhelmingly i think they really i've just heard they really like caleb on chase on Mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, more power to them. I think he's a great pass rusher, leaves a little something to be desired in the run game. He's not all that stout. I'm not entirely sure where they'd want him, 
like whether it be as that uh, as a linebacker on base downs, I think for sure he'd move to that end, that rush end role on passing downs. So I think I think he's a pretty versatile player, but uh, and he's a, he's a prospect. Or he's a, a project. So we'll see uh, we'll see how that pans out. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's funny you mentioned cornerback and safety as needs for the Cowboys. I added Xavier McKinney as the first safety off the board to the Cowboys at 17, and Sherm had Fulton in his mock draft, so definitely meets what you were saying. It's interesting to see how it's going to play out, though, because Chase on has been widely regarded as a top top 20 prospect, at least. Some people have him as the 15, 16, 17 pick, so definitely around the right range for Chase on. Mm-hmm. So we got the Dolphins now, the second of the Dolphins' three first-round picks. Who are the Dolphins going to take here? Yeah, I got them going, uh, going tackle here, and I think this is the first, uh, the first tackle that isn't in that uh, that top tier. But I got Austin Jackson here. He's uh, he's twenty years old, played at US- USC. He uh, he tested really, really well, and I think that's why people project him to be. He's been rising on a lot of uh, a lot of mock drafts, and I think uh, I think the Dolphins are in need of of offensive tackles. And what better way to uh, to start to his tenure tenure there than to uh, to pick another offensive tackle in the first round? Definitely, as I referenced earlier, a need to protect Tua because of the injuries, and a good way to fill it by using one of your first round selections to get a tackle. However, they pass on the Henry Ruggs connection from Alabama. That's an interesting thing to note for sure, the potential to unite the two Alabama players. But that's definitely a move for the future of Tua that would probably meet, you know, meet the interests of a lot of Miami fans who would want to protect their guy if investing that first over or that uh, first-round pick on him. So I agree with you there. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the Raiders. It's their second first-round pick of the draft. So what are they going to do in 19? Yeah, I got them going. Uh, going AJ Terrell here. They're go. They need a corner, and I think uh, what I've been hearing most is AJ Terrell in that uh, that kind of fifteen to uh, to nineteen range. So I got them going. I got them going nineteen to the Raiders. I'm still. Uh, I still think uh, think Jeff Gladney, the TCU corner, is a better corner and a better uh, better prospect. But I mean. This is just what I'm hearing from uh, from NFL teams. I think I think Terrell's going to end up going high, and I mean, hopefully he's good. But it's weird how these things work because always we we know that uh you know really only 50 percent of the picks end up working out in the sense that they only get second contracts. Probably about 50 percent of them. I'm not sure what the percentage is on how many of them are getting high level contracts, but a lot of these first round picks don't end up working out. AJ Terrell was a guy who's been a late riser throughout this whole process. I'm not entirely sure why. I know he's played in a great program at Clemson, but he's definitely a guy that's been climbing the boards as the days have been approaching the draft here. So I agree with you that as the days go on, it seems like he's going to be going higher and higher each mock draft I see. Yeah, he uh, his uh, his national championship game this year was probably his worst game he's ever played. But his uh, the 2018 Natty against Alabama was probably the best game he's ever played. So, I mean, I can't really hold it against him and say he doesn't show up for big games because, I mean, one for two isn't bad. Balances but he, uh, yeah, and uh, and LSU has sure. a, a full NFL receiving core, so it's it's a, a little unfair to hold that one against him. But he 
he did get torched against LSU. It was like uh, I think I think he gave up 140 yards and two TDs uh, like on him. So I think uh, that was not great tape on his part. Mm -hmm. So there are a few teams in this draft with multiple first round picks. The Jaguars are another one of them. They have the 20th pick. Who are they going to take with their second pick? Yeah, I got Xavier McKinney going going 20 to the Jags. I think they need a they need a safety. He's a pretty safe pick at at safety. Like prior to to this season, I would have said ten times out of ten, I want Grant Delpit over Xavier McKinney. But this season, weirdly, uh, weirdly, Grant Delpit totally forgot how to tackle, and to the point where he moved from what was considered a top five pick down to be lucky if he's the start of the second round. I actually have him later in this first round, which is kind of another one of my uh, my unconventional picks but yeah no i'm with you there and uh so the jaguars have an interesting situation because there's obviously a lot of holes on that team that need to be filled and it's not going to happen in one draft obviously a lot of defensive mishaps in the sense that they've lost almost all of their secondary you know a good portion of their front seven but one thing that happened recently that i wanted to note is that marquise lee who got a fair contract extension a couple years ago was just released they got DJ Chark last season. He's played really well, but that's just one wide receiver. You know, usually you want to have at least two good wide receivers in the NFL today. So they pass on C.D. Lamb and Judy at number nine. You have them passing on Henry Ruggs and Justin Jefferson at their 20 spot. You think maybe they're thinking wide receiver here or they're going to look towards filling their safety? At, uh, for, for the Jags? Yeah, so you think uh, yeah. you think McKinney's the move here over going uh, wide receiver first round? You think they're going to wait till the second or third to address that need? Yeah, I think this is as deep a draft as there's ever been for uh, for receivers, and I think the mid round receivers are going to give you really good value. So I think you could probably get your best uh, your best players overall just by drafting best available, and then and then drafting uh, drafting the receiver later. See who's yeah. available in the second round. I don't know who would, who would be if Lavisca's. LaVisca's available. I think LaVisca would play that sort of Debo Samuel type role that the 49ers have been uh, have been deploying. I really like LaVisca in spite of the injuries. I think uh, I think the second round receivers are going to be great. I think there's I think Rieger is going to be great. I think LaVisca is going to be great. And I think uh, I think Ilek has a chance to be really good. They're the type of dudes that they uh when they have the ball in their hands, it's like they're playing at the playground with their boys. Like it looks like they can't be tackled. Lavisca, when he gets the ball in his hands, looks like uh, he reminds me of Todd Gurley. Actually, once he catches it, they're all uh, all three of them are great uh, yards after catch guys, and I think they'll all be. I don't think any of them are going in the first round. I don't have. I know Alex been talked about to the Saints, but I don't have him have him going that high. Definitely one of the deepest wide receiver classes in a while, and some could argue that's almost diminished the value of some of the top tier wide receivers because a lot of teams know that they can get a really good guy in the second or third round that might end up, you know, matching their capabilities or you know potentially exceeding them. So yeah, absolutely. No, no. So we got the twenty-one pick here. It's the Philadelphia Eagles. What are they going to do? I got them going Kenneth Murray here. I think uh, I think linebackers need for them. They. I would have said corner, but they made the the big trade for Darius Slay and then signed him to what like a three year fifty mil something like that. So I think they uh, I think they address a need at linebacker 
Kenneth Murray's a pretty rangy linebacker. He can play sideline to sideline and then has been pretty decent in coverage. I think zone coverage especially, He uh, his hips are pretty fluid. I saw him at the combine going through drills, and I think he, he looked pretty good, looked smooth, and I think that's one of the most important things as a as a linebacker who's going to drop. And I think in the... In the Eagles system, they rush four a lot. They got uh, they got Javon Hargrave, who I think was a huge addition for them. And then, uh, so they rush four a lot, and I think they they rely on their uh, on their backers to play coverage. So mm-hmm. I think uh, I think he can do that really well, and he can he can blitz really well too. So an unexpected report I saw a couple of days ago, or actually it might have been this morning for me in Rappaport. He said that. Kenneth Murray was the player that teams like the most out of any player in this draft. Not a lot of negative words on him. Definitely an interesting report from a guy that's a lot of people will consider one of the better athletes in this draft. You know, a lot of his film, you can see him just shooting gaps. He's really one of the skilled guys in terms of his athletic potential. He just needs to piece together the fundamentals and find the right system. So mm-hmm. he's, can, uh, uh, he's a big frame. I think he's like six, two and a half and I think two forty. So he's a big boy, and he ran. Uh, I think he went four or five at the combine. So he's a quick dude. He's not quite not quite Isaiah Simmons level, but he's uh, he's a fast guy. Mm. So we got the Vikings. They've got two picks in the next four selections here. This is the first of them at number twenty-two. What are they going to do? I have Henry Ruggs going right now. A lot later than uh, than most mock drafts have him, but I uh, I think I just wasn't totally sold on the production. To justify a top 15 pick, I think he he had what uh, like 700 yards last year. I think the year before as well. There were times when he j- he looked like the the fourth best receiver on the field at Alabama. I mean, they have a they had an NFL re- receiving core. They had Judy. They had him. They had Devonte Smith, and they had uh, they had Waddle, who along with Judy are two of like the fastest dudes in college football. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, He's obviously got insane potential. There have been uh, there have been Tyreek Hill comps, but I think that's uh, that's pretty forced. I don't know how much he's actually done to earn that, besides run very fast. But I think sometimes with the Chiefs trading up to try and get him, do you believe that? I don't know. I'm not sold on that. I think the the Chiefs are just going to stay put. I think they got to go. Uh, they got to go center. So yeah. that's what I, I have them doing. I just don't think they'd. I don't think they'd risk it making a play for a a receiver and then uh, then lose another another pick or two later in the draft. Yeah. So. Well, this next pick, I was I'm really excited to hear your opinion on this one because it's always hard to predict what the Patriots are going to do. However, we have had a bit of a trend here with this pick. A lot of us have Epinosa going here to the Patriots. Yeah. What do you have happening? That's what I have. You you spoiled my pick right there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's ruined. It's ruined. uh, i'll have to change it now to someone else someone more interesting (laughs) but we uh but yeah i think he's the safe pick a lot of people have i've seen jordan love a lot but i i don't think they would go jordan love in the first round because that's basically admitting that this year is a write-off for them because they're not gonna jordan love's not gonna be a quarterback on a playoff team this year i think he's more of a project and if they're taking him this year, then that's that says we're not going to take a playmaker, someone who's going to actually help us make a playoff push this year. And I think based on their their moves, they've already established that they are not tanking. They're making a push. They 
They brought back McCordy. I don't think they would have brought back Slater if they weren't going to make a push. I think they'd tell Slater, you know, go get paid elsewhere. We don't need you as the special teams ace this year. But they uh, they brought him back, and I think they they owe it to the team to actually compete. If it's with Stidham, then uh, then so be it. But maybe maybe Andy Dalton, who knows? Yep. And despite the dominance of the defense, the front seven's looking a little different. So adding a guy like Epinosa to go with Hightower would definitely be a beneficial thing for the Pats. Yeah, I think he uh, he's like he's a lot like uh, like Trey Flowers was for them, and I think he'll play a similar role. I almost wanted to have uh, I almost wanted to have Caleb on Chase on drop to the Pats because I think he would fit their role well as a stand-up linebacker, some downs, and then move down to that kind of hybrid uh, hybrid Jamie Collins role that they play on uh, in passing downs when he really gets to pin his ears back and rush the quarterback. Definitely. So you mentioned that you don't have Ayuk going to the Saints at twenty-four here. Who do you have going to the Saints? Yeah, I got uh, I got Justin Jefferson. Jefferson. I still have them going receiver. I just think Jefferson's the safer pick. I think it's more likely that he uh, he immediately contributes. He's going to be, if he's playing in the slot, I think he's immediately a great slot receiver. He was unbelievable at LSU, insane production along with along with Jamar Chase, uh, Paris Jackson, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Like I mean, they had a they had a stacked offense, but he him and Jamar Chase stood out as uh, as stud receivers. I think next year Jamar Chase is going to be right at the top of the board. Definitely. He was probably the best wide receiver in college football, aside from maybe Judy or CD, you know, he's been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he didn't really like playing alongside Jamar Chase. It's hard to hard to really get that type of respect because Jamar Chase won uh, the Blitnikoff, I think, this year. So uh, it's hard to stand out. But I, I've also seen uh, I've seen love to the Saints at 24 here, but I I'm not really buying that. I think they uh they get weapons for one more run with Drew Brees, and then Definitely. if it doesn't work, draft someone after. Mm-hmm, and no, I'm just imagining that wide receiver trio right now. Michael Thomas, Justin Emmanuel. Jefferson, Emmanuel Sanders. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think Emmanuel's got, like, maybe one or two good years left in him. I think last year was a little bit of a letdown for most of the year, aside mm-hmm. from really that Saints game where he, uh, where he lit it up. Mm-hmm. But I think he... Uh, yeah, I think... Compared to the weapons, or the secondary weapons, aside from aside from Thomas that the Saints have had the last couple of years, this would be a massive improvement. I mean, Ted Ginn, Traquan Smith, they weren't really cutting it as second options, and I think I think Jefferson immediately steps in and has that type of uh, that type of juju impact that Juju had his uh, his first year, immediately making a play, and then and then the next year, you know, breaking out even more with Antonio Brown there, mm-hmm. and I think he doesn't. He doesn't really have to worry about too many doubles coming his way when he's got Michael Thomas there, and especially when he's coming out of the slot. Definitely. That'll open up the field for sure. That's about as ideal a situation as Breeze could have for a final run. No doubt about that. So the Vikings traded away Diggs, got a first-round pick from Buffalo. They addressed that by taking Henry Ruggs with the first pick. They have a couple of holes on defense, lost Xavier Rhodes and Everson Griffin. Are they going to go defense here? Yeah, I got uh, I got Jalen Johnson, corner from uh, from Utah. He, to me, he looked like a better corner than AJ Terrell, but I've just seen AJ Terrell so, so high consistently. So I, I assume he's going before, but I think Jalen Johnson's a, a really talented guy. He played on a great Utah defense. I think there was a, I remember seeing there was a five week stretch when, uh, when he allowed 
he was targeted, I think, two times over five weeks and gave up five yards. He, yeah. yeah, he did kind of get lit up against uh, against Oregon a little bit in that, that Pac-12 championship. But, I mean, predominantly was a great cover guy. He was physical at the point of attack. And he uh, he wasn't scared to really mix it up with, uh, with big receivers in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Something I just noticed, we're at pick 25 here. There's been one trade. Do you think the current virtual system and the limitations that we have right now are partly you know, to blame for that lack of trades? Uh, maybe for the actual draft. For me, I was just too scared to pull the trigger on a whole lot of trades. I wanted to, uh, I was considering, consider the Dolphins moving up with, uh, with their two picks. I considered uh, the Falcons moving up. And I, I actually have a one trade into the first round later at the end of the first. I'll, uh, I'll keep that one, uh, that one quiet for now. But, uh, but yeah, I only had, I think I only had two trades total in mine. So we got the last Dolphins pick here. You mentioned a potential trade up for them. They ended up staying put with all three of their selections, and this is the last of them. So who are they taking at 26? Yeah, this is my uh, my one that's kind of a reach. I got Grant Delpit going to uh, going to the Dolphins here. I think he uh, his 2018 was one of the best uh, one of the best years from a safety I've seen. It was up there with uh, with Jamal Adams 2016 or 2017, whatever his his junior year was, but he, uh, Delpit was unbelievable in 2018 and looked to be, looked to get even better this year. And I think he had a series of injuries somewhere ankle related and they, he totally forgot how to tackle and was not making tackles. But I mean, he's always, he was still always in the right place. And I think that's the most important thing that his instincts are still right. And he still got his nose for the ball. And I think uh, I think it'll be a quick technical fix, and I think he can still be uh, still be a great safety. He's got uh, he's six two two fifteen. I think he's a pretty pretty solid frame. I think he can play either the box safety or he's got pretty good ball skills as well. He can high point it, so he could play the free as well. I, I know they need uh, they need some help at safety. They got Eric Rowe at safety right now. I think for the for the Dolphins and. I forget who else, someone from uh, from Philly. But I think I think Delpit can go in there and really make a play. For, a lot uh, of views on Delpit. So, you know, definitely some people have first-round grades. More people have moved, to, moved towards that second-round grade after the poor season. But as yeah, you mentioned, yeah. a potential top-five pick last season looking into this season. So a lot of things mm-hmm. can change quick. But a lot of potential for that guy if you can get the tackling together. Yeah, for sure. I Let's think... I think if he doesn't go there, then he'll probably go the start of the second. I'm thinking, uh, I forget what pick the Colts have, but they're, they're up there. I think they could be, uh, could be in the market for, for something like that, but, uh, we'll see. Mm -hmm. Definitely looking for immediate impact players too, given the potentially short window of Phillip Rivers and the the desire to win an Indy after that retirement of Andrew Luck, which was really interesting. uh, they made that trade for uh, for DeForest Buckner. I think was just a, you know, I'm gonna put my deck on the table right now. This is a, we're this we're is a win now move. You know, we're we're going all out. That's what uh, that's kind of what Chris Ballard was uh, was getting at. And I think they could have gone about it in better ways. I think they could have probably got uh, probably got Indomitian Sue for 
who does right now probably 80% of what DeForest Buckner does, and they could have got Sue for $8 million. He re-signed with Tampa for so they could have done it in a better way, but I think they're, uh, they had a plan, and I think that's uh, it's worth noting. Mm-hmm. And we'll have to, you know, see how it all ends up playing out when the season ends because it's all speculation at this point. So just yeah. something to keep an eye out for. We got our number 27 pick here, the Seattle Seahawks. No noise from the Seahawks. They have a late pick. They had some injuries leading into the end of the offseason. Definitely a disappointing ending for the Seahawks considering how well they were playing leading into the playoffs. What do you think the Seahawks are going to do? Uh, yeah, I got them going uh, going edge here. They're going to take uh, Gross Matos from Penn State. He's uh, he's a pretty sweet D-end. He led the led the Penn State defense, who's always always kind of have a stout front seven. I mean, they uh, they run a lot of stunts, things like that. And I think he he was always really good. I only saw him a few games this year. One was uh, was the Ohio State game, and he looked good. So I mean, uh, this is I'm seeing him to the Seahawks a lot, and I'm gonna stick with that. This is where I was considering going uh, going Jacksonville trades back into the first for uh, Yannick Ngakwe, Yannick Ngakwe to the Seahawks, and then they maybe they pick Grossmanos as well or whoever they think is the best available, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're not going to get a, a first form, it seems. He was a guy I had in the 20s of my mock draft, although I was hesitant to put him in because of how hard his name is to pronounce. But I could see him going number 27 of the Seahawks there. <laughs> so let's, He's let's talk. in consideration for the all-name team uh, 2020. Him and Tua. For sure. Might be a first or second teamer. Him and Tua are the two reasons that I didn't want to do a mock draft. I was like, oh, <laughs> when it comes down to that, like... Like, yeah, you gotta have uh, you gotta have Tua just go undrafted, so you don't have to don't have to mention his name. <laughs> At least Tua's first name's easy. It's just yeah, you can just call him Tua. You don't even need to. It's easy. Let's talk the Ravens. We got them at 28 here. They had a really good season and an unfortunate ending in the playoffs, considering how much momentum they had moving into it. What are they gonna do to shore themselves up for a playoff run? I got them going uh, going Zach Bond here. He uh, he was really good at the Senior Bowl. I think he got. I've seen him moving up on a lot of mock drafts on the basis of his uh, his Senior Bowl performance. So I think they uh, they get him. He's a versatile player. He uh, he tackles really well in space. He uses his hands. He beats blocks clean. He uh, had a lot of great film, and uh, I'm still not sure if he goes to that stand-up linebacker spot or if he I think he would play most downs as a stand-up linebacker because they right now I think they got LJ Fort starting and that's probably not gonna probably not gonna persist I think they put plug Bond in there and then uh in passing situations they can move him to that end and move uh move Calais Campbell into the the tackle spot to rush from the interior because I think they go uh they go five DBs more than anyone else in the league, and I think they. Uh, so he'll have a lot of a uh, lot of opportunity to move around and just uh, just be versatile, play in the box, play uh, play on the edge, mm-hmm. whatever. One of our few picks that align. I also had Bond going to the Ravens. I think it's a good fit. Interesting mm-hmm. to note that he had his uh, his 
sample flagged at the combine, but I don't think that's going to deter the Ravens. I think they'll recognize. Yeah, was, uh, what was it like? He was too hydrated. It was a diluted sample. Yeah, they he blamed. Yeah, I never it. know what to make of that. It's all. It's so probably many guys are so many guys are showing up to the combine trying to drink as much water as possible to make weight. So, I mean, having a diluted sample doesn't really tell me that he was he was juicing or anything. It just yeah, it's not uh, not really any red flags going off. No, that's not the first time that's happened. So mm-hmm. I definitely the cause for much concern. So we're moving into the tail end of the draft here. We got the Titans, another mm-hmm. team that really exceeded expectations this year, and they've got most of their key pieces coming back. Henry, I believe, is on pace to sign this franchise tag, although he's due for a big deal. Are they going to help him out here? Uh, I had them go in the defensive side of the ball. I had them go in Neville Gallimore. This was kind of my uh, my out of left field pick. Got to go with the the Canadian kid. Gallimore. So Gallimore is definitely someone I haven't seen in many first rounds. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting pick. So you think the Titans are going to? So um, who did the Titans lose at that position this uh, this off season? Do you remember if they've lost anyone? Well, I mean they lost they lost Jarrell Casey, and he uh, he sometimes plays that uh, that tackle role. But uh, I'm trying to think of who they. I feel like their tackles just aren't great. So I don't know. Uh, they definitely have a need there. Whether it's their their top need, yet to be determined. But I'm I'm hoping honestly I'm hoping that Neville Gallimore is available at 49 for the Steelers. That's who I wanted with mm-hmm. our uh, with our first pick. But I don't know. I'm I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Good Canadian kid from Ottawa. He uh, played for the Cumberland Panthers OVFL. He's uh, he's I got to give him the first round here. So Gallimore is a guy that's going to help plug up that middle and, you know, stopping the runs a really big thing in the league, especially when you look how the how a team like the Chiefs, who just won the Super Bowl and was able to beat the Titans, was able to keep their passing game so expl- so explosive and so, you know, I guess um, diversified in how they run their route concepts. That's because they have teams committing to the run because they're able to gash you when you, you know, when you commit too much to their passing game. And as seen through, you know, a guy like Damian Williams getting Super Bowl MVP. So it's definitely a need to stop the run at all times. So I can see him, you know, helping out the D-line D here. And that seems like a good move. Let's yeah. talk Packers. The Packers are another great team who's had some unfortunate few, a couple unfortunate seasons because, you know, they really haven't met uh, the Aaron Rodgers-esque expectation that's usually set for Packers teams. So how are they going to return to their winning ways? This was... One I originally wanted to go, uh, I really wanted to throw LaVisca in my first round, but I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. This would have been the the pick. I was going to go LaVisca at 30, and then I think he'd be great in that Matt LaFleur offense, but I had to go uh, I had to go Patrick Queen. I think he's the, the best available at this point, and I think they'd be they'd be remiss if they didn't they didn't take him off the board here. Mm-hmm. I do have a buddy who's a Packers fan who's hoping Patrick Queen slips to that pick, which... I mean, a lot of people don't think are gonna is gonna happen, but anything can happen. He, uh, like I have him. Uh, I think he's a better linebacker than than Kenneth Murray. I'm just seeing Kenneth Murray above him a lot. But when yeah. I see uh, he uh, Patrick Queen isn't the biggest guy. I think he's six feet, but he uh, he flies around. He plays uh, plays fast as hell. Plays aggressive, and he uh, he's really great in that quarterback spiral where he's sort of the secondary blitzer once the quarterback breaks contain and i think he's him and isaiah simmons are kind of the best at that that sort of role 
even from uh, even as a shorter guy. MVP in the 90 champ, bringing those winning ways to the Packers. That's definitely something they could use. The 49ers at 31, their second first-round selection. Who are they going to take? Yeah, this was my uh, my trade up into this pick. This was uh, maybe one of the more unrealistic trades, but I had the Raiders trading up and getting Jordan Love here. Okay. The, the, uh, the reason it's kind of unrealistic is I don't know what picks would have to be involved on the Raiders' behalf because they don't have a second, I don't think. So it would have to be future picks, and I don't really know. But I, I think Love would be a fit in Oakland, even though they just signed Mariota, that backup deal, and they have Carr. Who, I don't think Mayock is really sold on either of them. So I think he'd love to get get Gruden his own guy to just uh, to really groom and give him an opportunity there. Mm-hmm. So we've had four mock drafts on the show. Jordan Love to the Raiders has happened in three of them, all at different spots. We had Ty last episode who had him at 12 with the Raiders' first pick in the first round. I had him at 19 with their second pick in the first round. And then you have them trading back into the first round for their third selection in the first round, hypothetically, to get him there. Interesting. I think anytime there's a... Anytime there's a quarterback that's first round grade and he's still available at the end of the first round, I think that's when you see a lot of guys trading up in because you get that uh, with the first round picks, you get that fifth year option, which is huge for quarterbacks, especially if they turn into the uh, the franchise quarterback level, because then you got that uh, another year of them on that rookie scale deal, which is huge for when you're when you're putting a team around them to actually make a run, which I think is the the new kind of formula that a lot of teams are are following is draft a quarterback that we have that we think is going to be a franchise guy and that we have on a rookie scale deal locked in long-term. And then we can, uh, we can put the team around him. Mm-hmm. The yeah. Rams, the Rams come to mind. The Seahawks successfully did it. Yeah. Oftentimes that fourth and fifth year is the perfect window for the team to capitalize because they can use that money they're saving on the rookie deal and put it in the different areas that they need to gear themselves up for a championship run. Yeah. So, and then you see, uh, you see after too, when they eventually have to pay the quarterbacks and then the, the talent on the team dries up. That's going to happen with uh, with Houston. I think whenever whenever the Chiefs have to pay Mahomes, that's kind of eventually going to happen. But I think Mahomes is still good enough that he's going to keep them competitive. I'm not sold on uh, on Deshaun Watson's ability to single handedly keep them afloat, but uh, but I I think that's just destined to happen. The same thing with with Dak Prescott. If they give him that long term deal that he's looking for, I think they. Uh, they're kind of shit out of luck for for getting any additional talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned Mahomes and the champion Kansas City Chiefs. Are they going to get go running back here and take the first back off the board? That's been a rumor. What do you have them doing for the last pick in the draft? I had him going center. I got him going uh, going Cesar Ruiz, and he. Uh, I honestly didn't watch much film of him this year, but I've seen him. Uh, the Chiefs obviously need a center, and they. Uh, from everything I've seen recently, Ruiz is the number one guy. I did see uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, the the LSU center, a bunch this season, and he, I don't know, he didn't really impress me. I think uh, Ruiz has started a bunch of games, and from everything I hear, he's a uh, he's a great center. So I think uh, I think they got to go center, and that'll be the pick. Definitely, man. Well, that wraps it up. Appreciate you doing that. That was a good mock. I tried my best. I really did. Definitely a lot different than the other three we had on. So it was good to get that perspective and we'll see how it all plays out Thursday. I couldn't be more excited, honestly. I'm so 
stuff. That's all I've been thinking about. I'm going to be so sad when it's over. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's enhanced by not having any other sports on. I'm, I'm ultra sensitive. I'm tuned into it. Oh, yeah. The whole day is going to be a spectacle. I'm going to get, like, up first thing in the morning, start getting the drinks going and just, like, FaceTiming all the guys. We were thinking about having a big Zoom call, making it our own war room kind of thing and just getting the virtual setup going. Should be a fun time. So before we sign off, I want to thank you for coming on. That was a great time. A little bit longer than we thought it was going to be, but we had some good stuff talking talking there. So it was good to get your analysis. And I'm looking forward to doing this again if you're willing to come back on at a later date, maybe see how the mock drafts end up playing out. Oh, yeah. 100%. appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're going to be back draft day in the morning before we get to it. So we'll try and get that episode out early so you know you guys aren't taken away from the pregame and whatnot. So until then, enjoy. Take care, everybody. And thank you for listening.